0: Every story in Scripture awaits a response. I'm Warren Berkeley with the Laurel Heights Church of Christ in McAllen, Texas, and this is the sixth class in a series designed to cover the 17 periods of Bible history. Now, this is not a verse-by-verse analysis. This is a survey of Bible history where we work through a timeline from Genesis all the way to Revelation. The purpose is to have the big picture well in mind, to understand the sequence, the chronology of biblical events, and the purpose of God overriding all those events. This will help us in all our Bible study and Bible reading efforts. Briefly, let's revisit where we've been. Class number one. God's Creative Work, Adam and Eve's Sin, the episode with Cain and Abel, and a genealogical table. This is all from the first five chapters in Genesis. Class number two, Noah and the Flood. We read about the causes of the flood, the instructions God gave to Noah in the aftermath of that event. Class number three, the Tower of of Babel, which explains the expansion God wanted of people into nations, spread out. Class number four was our most recent episode about Abraham, the promises God made to him, and those promises were transmitted or fulfilled through Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. Then after that, class number five, Moses takes the people out of Egypt, obviously with God's help, out into the desert for their long journey toward the promised land. On that journey, they receive the Ten Commandments. What is happening is God is slowly but with purpose fulfilling the promises God made to Abraham to build a nation from his descendants, give them a land, and through them the Savior would come to offer blessings for all. We are not analyzing verses, digging deep into concepts, or bringing up every event. This is a summary, approach, study through the 17 periods of Bible history. In this class, I need for us to continue with our Bibles open to Numbers chapter 14. Numbers chapter 14. Let me set this up. Let me set this up. Numbers chapter 14. In chapter 13, spies are sent into Canaan to gather information. They come back to the Israelite camp, and their report is well, I think I should say the majority report is this can't be done. They cannot do what God said He wanted them to do, according to their report. It was really a flawed human judgment against the sovereign purpose of God. Only two, Caleb and Joshua, held out strong against the majority, affirming that they could, with God's power, conquer the land. So, this hangs over the narrative into chapter 14. This is Numbers 14, verses 1 through 12. Then all the congregation raised a loud voice, and the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would that we had died in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey, Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, Let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the people of Israel. And Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes and said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, the land which we possessed, through to spy it out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their protection is removed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Then all the congregation said to stone them with stones. But the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the people of Israel. And the Lord said to Moses, How long will this people despise me? And how long will they not believe in me? In spite of all the signs I have done among them, I will strike them with the pestilence And disherit them. I will make of you a nation greater and mightier than they. The majority of the spies said, in essence, we can't do this. Only two remained steadfast in their belief in God about this Joshua and Caleb. There was grumbling against Moses and Aaron based on the ten spies' rejection of God's promise. Here's one of the statements that came from the crowd. If only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness, why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? They said, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Now, you already know at this point, God is listening with strong displeasure. God's wrath is expressed. And that verdict is stated in Numbers 14.35. I, the Lord, have spoken, and I will surely do these things to this whole wicked community which is banded together against me. They will meet their end in this wilderness. Here they will die. God was ready to start all over again. Moses interceded. The consequence handed down from God was He spared the people of Israel from complete destruction as a nation, but they would still be punished. No one 20 years old or older, with the exception of Caleb and Joshua, would enter the promised land. They would wander in the wilderness for 40 years until all of them die and a new generation would arise. The 10 faithless scouts die immediately from a plague. So from Numbers chapter 15 to chapter 36, the people travel in this region from Kadesh Barnea to the eastern bank of the Jordan River. And I've put a couple of maps up on the screen. You can see it uh, really looks like they were going in circles. And thus the term wandering, waiting for a generation to pass away before Joshua could lead the next generation into the promised land. Now, if you have one of our worksheets for class number six, you are observing a list of events that took place during this period of time. And I'm not going to cover each one, just some key events to get an idea of the condition in the nation during this time. In the list, you'll notice these three names, Korah, Dathan, and Ibrahim. Numbers 16 says, they rose up against Moses. Moses is accused of being a dictator, that he brought the people out of Egypt to die, that he was unable to take them into the promised land. Moses had some kind of answer. He said, if I may paraphrase, you guys come around tomorrow at the entrance of the tabernacle with your incense burners, and the Lord will settle this. Now, the rest of the story is in Numbers 16. You can imagine before you get to the account, the Lord responded by consuming the rebels and their followers. In a very dramatic way. Let me stop at another event during this wilderness wandering period in Numbers 20. I'm gonna read in Numbers 20, I'm gonna read verses 2 through 13. We just covered 16 about that rebellion. I'm going to move now to 20, Numbers 20, and I'm gonna read verses 2 through 13. Now, there was no water for the community. And the people gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron. They quarreled with Moses and said, If only we had died when our brothers fell dead before the Lord. Why did you bring the Lord's community into this wilderness that we and our livestock should die here? Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to this terrible place? It has no grain or figs, grapevines or pomegranates, and there is no water to drink. Moses and Aaron went from the assembly to the entrance of the tent of meeting and fell face down. And the glory of the Lord appeared to them. The Lord said to Moses, Take the staff, and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together. Speak, speak to that rock before their eyes, and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so they and their livestock can drink. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence, just as he commanded him. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock, and Moses said to them, Listen, you rebels, must we bring you water out of this rock? Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out, and the community and their livestock drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I give them. These were the waters of Meribah, where the Israelites quarreled with the Lord, and where he was proved holy among them. You know, I think the most important phrase in that account is that last statement, the Lord showed himself holy. Let me add about this period of time, the Lord gave Israel several victories, not because they were good people. God gave them victories because he is preserving this nation for higher purposes. And so, in Numbers chapter 21, and once again in chapter 31, there's an account of a variety of victories. Victory over the king of Arad. The nation is under attack, takes some prisoners, but God gives them victory when the Israelites counterattack and win. Victory over King Sihon. The Amorites refuse to allow Israel free passage They attack the Israelites, but because of God, the Amorite army suffers complete defeat. In chapter 31, victory over five Midianite kings. Now, what does this tell us that we have just summarized very briefly? That God seeks to preserve this nation through whom the promises to Abraham are to be fulfilled. Let me talk about the book of Deuteronomy before we move to our practical lessons. Uh, It is sometimes offered that the book of Deuteronomy is a collection of sermons delivered by Moses or his farewell address to the people. He speaks to the next generation of Israelites. Before Moses dies at the age of 120, it is like he was saying to the people of Israel, Have you learned your lesson? Do you see what this is all about? You've got to do what the Lord has said. I I want you to listen to some of this. This is from what is commonly called the Song of Moses in Deuteronomy 32. Give ear, O heavens, and I will speak, and let the earth hear the words of my mouth. May my teaching drop as the rain, my speech distill. As the dew, like gentle rain upon the tender grass, and like showers upon the herb. For I will proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God, the rock. His work is perfect, for all his ways are justice. A God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is he. They have dealt corruptly with him. They are no longer his children because they are blemished. They are a crooked and twisted generation. Do you thus repay the Lord, you foolish and senseless people? Is not he your father? Who created you, who made you, and established you? Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask your father, and he will show you your elders, and they will tell you. When the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance, when he divided mankind, he fixed the borders of the peoples according to the number of the sons of God. But the Lord's portion is his people, Jacob, his allotted heritage. Then let me take us to the end of this period by reading from chapter 34 in Deuteronomy. Then Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo to the top of Pisgah, which is opposite Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land Gilead as far as Dan, all Naphtali, the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah as far as the western sea, the Negev and the plain that is, the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees as far as Zoar. And the Lord said to him, This is the land of which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to your offspring. I will let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not go over there. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in the valley in the land of Moab opposite Beth Peor. But no one knows the place of his burial to this day. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eye was undimmed and his vigor unabated. And the people of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. Then the days of weeping and mourning for Moses were ended. I want to give you a reading recommendation. Psalm 106. As you read through Psalm 106, you will be reminded of the historical period we've studied in this class. Further, you will see clearly God's mercy, God's justice. You will see why the people got into so much trouble, over and over again. I want to highly recommend, after you complete this video, read Psalm 106. Lessons we can learn from this period. I have three things. Without God, we set ourselves up for defeat. That pattern emerges throughout Old Testament history. God gives perfect direction to the people. By his grace, he supplies exactly the direction they need, and he is with them, strengthening his people with his power and might, signs and wonders. Simple, isn't it? But when the people ventured out on their own away from God, there was always trouble. Trouble, it can be said, they chose. Without God, we set ourselves up for defeat. We learn more and more about God as we go through the Old Testament, who he is. For instance, you have statements like this. In addition to all the narrative information, all the reaction uh, between God and men, you have statements like this in Numbers twenty-three, thirteen. God is not a man that he should lie. One primary purpose of reading the Bible and moving like we are through Old Testament history is to know who God is to become acquainted with our creator, what he is like, what pleases him, his steadfast mercy, his steadfast purpose to provide for the salvation of mankind. And so we learn God's purpose was steadfast. Moses said, According to Deuteronomy 18:15, the Lord, your God will raise up a prophet like me from among you. It is to him you shall listen. That's Christ. Are we listening? Next time, Joshua and the Conquest. Thank you for being with us.